Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Oh boy. I've made it to Hawaii. This is the episode that I feared the most since I decided to go state by state. Hawaii is a place that is so rich with culture and things I can't pronounce that I'm afraid to make a mockery of their customs, culture, and my entire life. But you know what? Can't let fear win. And I'm not going to stall any longer. Let's plunge into the world of Hawaiian legends. We'll discover the mythology, enigmas, and sorcery that make Hawaii such a spectacular and unforgettable place. I also have a couple of spooky stories to sprinkle in as well. Do you believe in ghosts? Join me on a journey through America's dark and haunted past as we explore the ghost stories and folklore that have been passed down for generations. What scares you? Let's find out. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. There is no better view of the natural world than Nanupali Drive in Honolulu. This winding road cuts through a cliff face at the elevation of over a thousand feet to provide the stunning view of a lush green forest and sparkling beach below. In addition, Nuanupali is home to some of Hawaii's most fearsome spirits. Would you be brave enough to head down Nuanapali Drive? Its history is as long and winding as the path itself. This passage connects one side of the Kiolu mountain range, I hope I said that right, to the other because it's so low and easily traversable. For thousands of years, ancient settlers built their homes there because of the passability of the road. This area saw the Battle of Nuanu, one of the most bloody battles in Hawaiian history in 1795. The fight was Kamehameha's final, most brutal battle to unify the Hawaiian islands. 400 warriors died on the rocks below the cliff as Kamehameha's men drove opposing forces off a steep cliff to their death in desperate attempts to win. By 1845, the pioneer road connecting the Oahu area to Honolulu had been finished. During the 1890s, 
Construction of this stretch uncovered around 800 human skulls from the Nuanu Valley, a macabre reminder of the warriors killed during the fateful Battle of Nuanu. In 1959, this route was upgraded with the Pali Highway and the Nuanu Pali Tunnels, highways that remain in service today. This point is also home to lovely walking trails and a broken monument marking the original mountain pass. The stunning tropical beauty of Nuanu Pali Drive conceals some of Honolulu's darkest and strangest tales. The most recent of these tales is about a young girl named Cassie who committed suicide at the end of the road. Cassie spiraled into a deep depression after her boyfriend cheated on her with a cheerleader from their class. Typical. Unable to cope with the pain, Cassie hung herself from a tree off Nuanu Pali Drive. Her family immediately filed a missing persons report when Cassie did not return home that evening. During the next few days, Cassie's friends and family awaited any news about what had happened to her, holding out in a suspended state of anxiety. It took three days to discover Cassie's body. Ironically, Cassie's former boyfriend and his new sweetheart found it, and it's the way they found it that is sure to make your blood turn cold. Nuwano Pali Drive is a popular makeout spot for young lovers. Just after they pulled their car down the drive, the cheerleader let out a blood-curdling scream. As her boyfriend glanced out the passenger window, he saw Cassie's bloodless severed head grinning at them. As the coroner's report outlined, Cassie's body was left hanging from the tree for so long that her neck snapped, separating her head from her body. The head fell right outside the window of Cassie's ex-boyfriend's car. Was it a coincidence, or was it Cassie's own particular brand of revenge? There's no guarantees, but the story doesn't end there. According to Hawaiian folklore, two large boulders of Nuanupali Drive were home to a pair of guardian goddesses. These deities had immense power and were thought to safeguard the surroundings and beyond. Families would bring offerings such as flowers or bark cloth to benefit from its protection. At the same time, new parents would bury their infants in umbilical cords here, believing that it would bring long life and prosperity. Cassie is not the only spirit to believe to be found in this area. A second pair of Hawaiian gods near Nuanapali Drive is said to have an unfriendly relationship. Peli is a volcano goddess and is known to bear a grudge against Kamapua, a half-man, half-pig god. The stories say that Peli forbids him from entering her realm in any form, even as pork. Thus, native Hawaiians warn you not to bring ham, spam, or tenderloins along when driving on Nuanapali Drive at night. Those who disobey Peli are said to receive the consequences, and there is a multitude of reports that any pork items brought into Nuanu were immediately set ablaze before they could reach the other side. There is one account from a visitor who asserts that their favorite mug, which was white porcelain and dotted with little pink piglets, suddenly became so hot it shattered upon contact. None of the piglets remained in one piece when he tried amassing the fragments. With that, he chose to reassemble his beloved cup, not within Pelly's realm of revenge. There is no doubt that Nuanapali Drive offers some of the island's most stunning views as well as some of the most treacherous trails. And there are just as many warring gods and headless ghosts as there are lush green landscapes. If you want to visit this historic road to see some of the exotic wildlife, make sure you bring a snack, because the hike is really long and winding, with big rocks and steep inclines. Just remember, no bacon. The island of Oahu is one of the world's most popular vacation spots, 
and for good reason. As a result of the warm tropical climate, hikers can enjoy stunning hiking destinations all year round. Oahu Island has gorgeous white sand beaches and lush tropical landscapes. In addition to its popularity, the Manoa Falls Trail has been a filming location for scenes in both Jurassic Park and the Hunger Games movies. You can also catch it on television in Lost and Hawaii Five-0. Keep your eyes peeled if you decide to hike the Manoa Fall Trails on the lovely island. The path is said to be traversed by a spectral army known as the Night Marchers. It is also said that ghosts of hikers who plummeted from the cliffs linger on this trail. Hawaiian natives cleared the trail hundreds of years ago to bathe, hunt, and gather wood before it became a popular hiking spot. In the earliest days of Hawaiian civilization, wood was collected to make canoes, the bark was used to make shoes, and the sap that was harvested was used to make laxatives, somehow. I can't imagine. Very sticky. Anyway, the Manoa Falls Trail is enjoyed by both vacationers and Honolulu citizens. It serves as a research destination for the University of Hawaii scholars. The Lion Arboretum, found at its base, provides refuge to much rare flora and fauna. Additionally, it has become a magnet for paranormal investigators from around the United States. People make the journey hoping to sight the mysterious night marchers. This trek is the second most visited pathway in Honolulu. The night marchers, who are also known as the phantom marchers, are said to be the spirits of ancient Hawaiian warriors. They lurk within Manoa Falls after dark, as the name suggests. In most cases, tourists heading down the trail are unaware of what lies ahead. However, ask any Honolulu resident, and they'll be able to tell you the telltale signs of their arrival. The distant, echoed sounds of a conch shell is followed by steady, rhythmic beating of drums. At the beginning, the shell's wail is barely perceptible, and the drums sound very faint drowned out by the roars of the falls. Gradually, their rhythm intensifies until it is pounding in your ears. Then the conch shell pierces through the air again, leaving you with a sharp ringing in your ears. Then, almost out of nowhere, out of the darkness comes blazing torches held aloft in a marching procession. It's advised to those who encounter them to get down and lie flat on your stomach and do not under any circumstances meet the marcher's gaze as they pass. It's better to play dead out of respect. The band of ancient warriors will pass you peacefully if you do these things. Don't be afraid if you take an evening hike down the falls and hear the steady beating of drums in the distance. Despite their frightening appearance, warriors are said to be the island's protectors rather than vengeful spirits. Just don't look them in the eye. Because of its short length, the Manoa Falls Trail is often referred to as an easy hike. Still, it presents several hazards to the uninformed. As you get closer to the falls, the path becomes even wetter, increasing your chances of slipping. Flash floods are also common in the area. Swimming around the falls is also strongly discouraged due to the risk of contracting leptospirosis, a blood infection caused by bacteria. Additionally, the muddy, slippery paths have caused a number of hikers to lose their footing over the years, several of whom did not survive. And struggling to find a safe place to step among the wet, perilous rocks, it's easy to understand. On April 12, 2012, Philip S. Mann, a Florida native, traveled to Honolulu for an extended vacation. Eager to discover what Hawaii had in store for him, he set up for the falls that same evening. Unfortunately, 
Other hikers heard his distressful call, but he couldn't be found when they looked for him through search parties. Only the next day did another group of hikers strolling down the path stumble upon his corpse in the riverbed. It was concluded that, sadly, he probably perished instantly. Philip isn't the only one to have an untimely end at Manoa Falls. In June of 2016, Christy Takanishi, a 19-year-old valedictorian on summer break in Honolulu from the University of Washington, accompanied a friend on a hike to view the majestic waterfall. Unfortunately, Christy slipped and tumbled down a 200-foot cliff face during the journey. She suffered significant head trauma and died instantly. Thousands of people hike along the falls of Manoa every year, and every year reports flood in of encounters with the other side. Shaking off the creepy vibes, a group of teenagers got together one evening after the trail had been shut down. As they headed to the falls with a beer in hand, laughter and the cracking of cans echoed through the night air, only to be barely overshadowed by a mysterious, almost otherworldly sound of drums. One teen noticed it more than the others and asked his pal if they heard anything, but their chuckles indicated that he was overreacting. However, as it grew increasingly louder, the group started to feel uncomfortable and decided that it was time for them to leave. The distant sound of a conch cell alerted them to the danger, so they swiftly bolted from Manoa Falls. In the panicky darkness, they caught the sight of the warriors' flaming weapons. They could have sworn that the two hikers in tatters, one male, one female, reached out to them. None of the teens would dare venture near these falls again from that night on. The beautiful islands of Hawaii are home to some of the country's most beautiful beaches and scenic views. With 150 feet of cascading water and vibrant tropical wildlife, Manoa Falls is one of the most popular spots on the island. In light of the horrific falls and the Army of the Undead Soldiers rumored to lurk there, it's understandable that it is also one of the island's most haunted hikes. This hike will appeal to nature lovers and paranormal enthusiasts if you are fortunate enough to find yourself in Honolulu. Take advantage. Just remember, if you hear ancient tribal drums, stop, drop, and play dead. Oh, don't go swimming either. Hey folks, sorry for the delay in episodes. I know we had a week off, almost a week and a half off, but I was a little under the weather. But we're back, rolling again, and uh, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Just, again, thank you to everybody for sticking with me and the well wishes when I uh, said I was sick. A lot of people reached out, telling me to get better, and I appreciate that. So, thank you. Uh, again, every week, we're going to go state by state, and uh, seclusion is going to wrap up next uh, three weeks. So, been getting a lot of feedback on that. Thank you for the kind words. Oh, Spotify added some cool thing where you can, like, interact. If you like an episode, you can uh, comment on them now, and a lot of you have been doing that, and, like, you can publish the comments, and Things like, it's just a new way to like interact with people. So if you listen on Spotify, which I think a majority of you do, um, yeah, take a look in that and leave a leave a little comment or a note. If you like the episode, if you don't like the episode, hey, Chris, go screw yourself. Uh, whatever you want to do. And uh, let's uh, keep this show rolling. Thanks, folks. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, 
Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. As the shapeshifters of Hawaiian legend, the Mo'o, or gigantic lizards, have been described as dragons, serpents, or water spirits of all kinds and sizes. Often female, they guarded streams, waterfalls, and lakes, and sometimes took the form of a beautiful woman. One exception was Panewa, a reptile man who ruled the tropical forests of Hilo. One of the most famous legends in Hawaiian history is that of Hiaka, the youngest sister of the volcano goddess Pile. Her mission was to travel to Kauai and bring back Lohio, the man Pile had been dreaming of. As she journeyed, she fought many mo'o in order to help those living on the islands who feared them. When she reached Hilo Forest, her strength was put to the test by Panewa who attempted to engulf her in fog arms and an icy rain. Fortunately, lightning storms were brought down upon him, which ultimately defeated him. The story does not end here, however. She went on to battle many more mythical creatures of Hawaiian legend. The legend of the Mo'o has been passed down from generation to generation and lives around the water sources of Hawaii. No native reptilian species has ever been found in the islands, nor any bones of a possible extinct species to prove it exists. Today, geckos are often seen throughout Hawaii homes and backyards. Yet these are not native, and not connected with Hawaiian mythology. The legend may be seen through landforms such as Moali Falls and Halawa Valley, interpreted as being the head of a giant lizard. Please, for the love of everything holy, forgive my pronunciations. According to Bishop Museum's cultural advisor, the Mo'o legend was created from nothing more than memories of old crocodiles and snake stories from the ancient homelands. He notes that the concept of Mo'o is its tying to water, with its reptilian attributes in tow, is rooted with ancestral recollections. These legends have continued over the centuries like a continuous thread throughout chants, songs, and genealogies. Not only that, but it seems that the memories of reptiles could also live on with them. The story of Mo'o can be interpreted as an environmental lesson since they were fierce guardians of water, which is a primary need for life. They weren't just bad spirits. They protected these places until death. In memory and stories, and in all those different forms, Mo'o are always associated with fear because of their intensity and strength, Bishop Museum's cultural advisor Marcus Marzen says. That's one of the takeaways, for me anyway. 
have represented strength in caring for and maintaining places, especially water. So to be this protector of water in that way, the giver of life where everything comes from, I think that's a beautiful story. Boy, oh boy, did I struggle through the pronunciations of the Hawaiian folklore. I am eternally sorry for anyone that I may have offended with that. But now it's time for an original story about a different kind of shapeshifter. Don't worry, sir, Tabitha told the hotel clerk as she took the room key. We'll be both thorough and discreet in our investigation. The hotel clerk nodded. I'm sure you will. Tabitha and Dirk ascended the steps and found the room in question. The sound of a blaring television set could be heard as they approached. Tabitha placed her ear against the door and listened. She could hear nothing other than the sounds from the television. She knocked on the door and called, Pardon me, but we've received reports of a disturbance coming from this room. If you'd speak with us and give us a chance to clear up this matter, we'd be grateful. She waited half a minute, but there was no response. She knocked louder and called, Did you hear me? I apologize for the inconvenience, but we need your help to investigate this report. She pressed her ear to the door again. After waiting for 30, 40 seconds, she turned to Dirk and nodded. Dirk drew a weapon as Tabitha unlocked the door. After drawing a weapon herself, Tabitha cautiously began to push open the door. After peering inside, she opened the door the rest of the way and stepped in. Dirk followed to cover her. The curtains were drawn, but there was enough sunlight to provide some illumination for the suite. There were pieces of luggage sitting nearby near the closet, but there were also articles of clothing strewn haphazardly on the floor. Three glasses of liquor sat on the table, but two of them appeared to have been mostly untouched. There were two beds in the room. Upon each bed laid a man, clad only in underwear and a blindfold, with his hands and feet bound to the bedposts. The two men lay still, seemingly unaware of Tabitha and Dirk's presence. Tabitha and Dirk had seen this before. Visiting businessmen would pick up a friend for the night, only to be bound as part of a supposed sex game, or slipped a drug in their food or drink and then robbed. Tabitha turned off the television and watched the two in case this was some sort of a setup. Dirk reached into the back pocket of one of the pair of pants that had been strewn aside. He pulled out a wallet, opened it, and inspected the contents. He reported with some surprise. This one's still full. There's nearly $300 in here. Really? Tabitha replied. What about the other one? Dirk quickly checked. Same thing. So it looks like robbery's out. You think this was some sort of revenge? Maybe. It's not as common, but I wouldn't be surprised. This wouldn't be the first time. She watched the men and thought for several seconds. I think they've been drugged. Let's shed some light on the subject and see what we can find here. She went to the curtains and pulled them open, causing sunlight to flood the room. She turned back to look at the beds. Well, what in the... Now that the men were illuminated by the sunlight, wounds could be seen clearly on their bodies. The wounds were identical. Their wrists and ankles were chafed, indicating that the men had struggled violently in their futile attempt to escape their bonds. There were bruises on both sides of their collarbones a large, purple, nearly peanut-shaped bruise below the collarbone, and a smaller, darker, circular bruise close to the sternum. Based on their pattern, Tabitha realized that someone had grabbed these men by the shoulders and squeezed them tightly. Though she could not know without looking, she imagined that the backs of the shoulders had bruises from fingers grabbing tightly as well. 
The wounds that were really alarming, however, were the bite marks on the necks of the men. She had seen bite marks before, but these were different. Two rows of deep and jagged punctured marks lined both of their necks. Dried red rivulets showed evidence of blood having flowed from the wounds. Dirk leaned over for a closer look and said aloud what Tabitha was thinking. My gosh, it looks like a dog bite. Tabitha shuddered and observed the overall condition of the men closest to her. His breathing was shallow and his skin was pasty. Speaking from her experience with medical emergencies, she speculated out loud. I don't think these guys were drugged after all. I think they're in shock from what happened here. I think you're right. Tabitha paused. She went to get a pulse, but the wrists were bound and the necks were wounded and streaked with dried blood. Deciding of the lesser of two evils, she told Dirk, let's get these bonds off them. I want to check their pulses before calling an ambulance. Dirk nodded. The two prepared to cut the bonds off the captives. Tabitha carefully grabbed the man closest to her by his left wrist. In an instant, he let out a terrified scream. As he began to toss and turn in panic, the second began to cry out and thrash as well. Calm down, Tabitha told them. We're here to help. Don't worry, you're safe now. Let us help you, added Dirk. Something happened to the frightened duo upon hearing Dirk's voice. A sudden realization that caused their fear to ease over ever so slightly. They gradually began to respond to Tabitha and Dirk's repeated reassurances and calls for the calm. Eventually, they eased, and their bonds were removed as they lay still as if exhausted. Upon having their blindfolds removed, they looked at their rescuers. Though fear still shone in their eyes, they began to look relieved. They allowed Tabitha and Dirk to check their wrist pulse without a struggle. I'm going to call an ambulance, Tabitha told them. We have top-notch medical care in this city. I could speak to the care provided personally. She paused for a moment, then added, It looked like you started to calm down after hearing my partner speak. Your attacker was a woman. The men shuddered and held their heads. Tabitha gently continued, There's no need to be embarrassed. Obviously, you were tricked into being bound, so there's no shame of being overpowered. From the looks of it, whoever did this to you was a monster. One of the men drew in a breath. It was. His energy fading again, he wearily sighed. White. Lady before passing out again. Late that afternoon, Tabitha and Dirk met the detective who was investigating the case. He seemed somewhat unnerved and confused, but he gathered himself and began his report. The two victims show no signs of sexual trauma, and aside from some deep scratch marks, there don't appear to be any wounds other than the ones you already noted. However, there is something unusual. The attack happened late last night, but the men are suffering from exhaustion. Exhaustion, replied Tabitha. Yeah, it's like... He took an odd pause before finishing. It's like the energy was sucked right out of them. Tabitha and Dirk stared in apprehension, taking in not only the detective's words, but also the manner in which he said them. The detective took another long pause before continuing. The victim reported that they met with an Asian woman at a club close to the hotel. One thing led to another, and they wound up inviting the woman to their hotel room. She wore a white dress, and after apparently she entered the hotel room, she donned a white mask. Apparently, White Lady is an alias used by their attacker. We're going to check with police from neighboring districts to see if they're familiar with anyone operating under that name. The two men disrobed and allowed themselves to be bound to the bed. When the White Lady went to blindfold the first man, the second one saw something. Somewhat reluctantly, he handed a piece of paper to Tabitha. The paper bore three illustrations. 
The first was of an attractive young Asian woman wearing a dress. The second depicted the same woman wearing a white mask with a design resembling an animal's face. The third drawing, that one was shocking. The figure depicted was as tall as a human, but had a fox-like body with pointed ears, a tapering snout, and nine bushy tails. It stood on two legs, which bent backwards. Each of its fingers and toes were clawed. It wore the same dress, but the mask was different. Now it had demonic-looking eyes and a mouth that consisted of a wide grin filled with sharp teeth. As Tabitha and Dirk looked, their eyes grew big as the realization of what they were looking at. What? You're telling us that this sketch is from the descriptions that the victims made? Yeah. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> the witnesses say he saw the woman transform into this monster before she went over to blindfold and attack him. After she was finished with him, she started on his body. During the pause that followed, Tabitha thought about the terror of the two victims must have experienced. The detective offered, We're still waiting on toxicology. It's possible that they were slipped something and the witnesses hallucinated. Tabitha slowly shook her head while unthinkingly rubbing her own throat. It would be nice to think so, but hallucinations don't leave bite marks. There was a pause as the trio tried to absorb the horrible situation and figure out where to begin in solving this case. There was a monster on the loose. A monster which could apparently change into human form. This meant that description of the form she had used into luring these men would probably be little help. And she could strike anywhere. At any time. This story was submitted by Kara O'Connor, known as Raedra, on the Creepypasta fandom forum. And as always, I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. If you'd like to submit a story for uh, narration, send it over to hauntedamericanhistory at gmail.com, and I'd love to take a look at it and put my own spin on it. Thanks, folks. Later. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.